Good evening and welcome to Shifting Gears Podcast. I'm Isaac. And I'm Paul. And tonight we're going to talk all about trucks, specifically non-heavy duty diesel trucks. So what we mean by non-heavy duty is diesel trucks that are not 2,500, 3500s, three quarter or one ton, anything like that. So this is basically going to be your half ton um, plus the Titan XD, which is debatable, but and less. So the half tons and then the compacts, midsize. Midsize. There's no compact trucks anymore. What are you talking I, about? They're compact. No, they're not. They're compact. Er, <laughs> whatever. The non full size and the F150 Chevy 1500 half ton size trucks. Half ton diesel trucks plus the well. We'll talk about the trucks in a second. So. So the reason we are talking about diesel trucks tonight is we had a listener write us a question and wanted um, wanted us to basically do this, to talk about non-heavy-duty diesel trucks and the pros and cons of them and why someone would be interested in purchasing one. So we actually expanded that simple question into basically an entire episode because we we couldn't answer it in not an excessively long fashion with more specs than anyone actually cares about. So the trucks that we are going to be talking about tonight are the GM midsize twins. So the Chevy Colorado and the GMC Canyon, Um, the new GM Silverado, uh, the Ford F-150, the Ram 1500, which does not at the moment in 2019 have uh, the eco diesel available, but has had it up to this point, and we're just assuming that they're going to roll over that engine. And it's still on their website. And it's still on their website. And the Nissan Titan was XD. It's the XD. Yeah. The, that's the tweener truck. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a heavy duty truck, but it is classified as one by the EPA. But it doesn't compete directly. No, with... it's got way lower towing capacity than a heavy duty so. truck and smaller brakes, and it's just not the same. But it is slightly larger than a half ton truck. And then there's also one possibility truck in here that yes, we're speculating one possibility. on. Possibility. Well, we could we could speculate about two. So there's two new. Uh, truck entries in the midsize segment, the new Jeep Gladiator and the new Ford Ranger. Yep. Um, the Ranger does have diesel other places. It does in other global markets. Um, so we could speculate that the uh, diesel engine could be fitted into the engine bay. Currently, Ford sells a, I don't know the, the engine size. They sell a five-cylinder diesel in the transit vans. Yes, they do. Maybe that could fit in the engine bay, or they might go with the four-cylinder turbo that they use other places. Yeah, because there's that's what's in the Raptor Ranger that's sold in like China and that kind of thing. There is a new a new small diesel being put in the Transit Connect van, but that they wouldn't put that. No, in the they Ranger. go for more power in the Ranger. Um, and the Jeep Gladiator, while they haven't said it yet, it's the three-liter. Um, Chrysler Eco Diesel motor, I'm sure, fits in that engine bay. And I was looking at it at the auto show, and it has a very suspiciously long fuel door with a whole lot of extra room inside for a little bit of urea tank. And or DEF, if that's D-E-F, what you know it. AKA pig urine, which is what it actually is, is refined pig urine. But moving on. Moving on. Pig urine. <laughs> so, Paul, in... Um, 
I, I want to ask you a question. And for our listeners' understanding, um, Paul is a diesel truck guy. His That's his forte. And so he's got more expertise in this area tonight than I do. Um, so, Paul, why, why would someone want to buy a diesel pickup? So um, let me start with why someone would buy opt for the option of diesel in the heavy duties and then i'm going to bring it down to the more compact lighter trucks so in the heavy duties there's really three reasons but really two um that someone would opt for the diesel option um plus some other smaller ones um the first would be increased towing capacity um in the heavy duty trucks when you opt for the diesel option your towing capacity goes through the roof like the new one one ton Ford, like the F450, and then the Ram 3500s and the Chevy's 3500s. They with the diesel option in them, you can tow 35,000 plus pounds. You can tow your house. Yeah, you could tow a small house with that. Like that is so much weight. Like it's too the, much weight. The biggest camper fifth wheel you see going down the road is probably right is probably under 20,000 pounds. So you could tow two of those at one time. That is an obtuse amount of weight. Um, so that's one reason. And the second reason is increased fuel economy while you're towing um, and not towing. Um, a diesel truck can get, you know, a, you can get a one ton diesel truck to get over 20 miles a gallon going down the highway empty, which you're never going to get that with a gasoline engine in a one ton truck. Um, and, you know, you can get 14, 15, 16 towing a heavy load behind your diesel truck when you're uh, fully loaded, which now that statement is should be premised by that's a non-emissions diesel truck. Emissions really wreck everything, but that is not what we're talking about tonight. Um, so... So you get you buy a diesel truck for the towing ability and the fuel economy. That's what you buy a heavy duty truck. Heavy duty diesel. Now truck Now the for. long heavy duty trucks, it's a little bit different. You more are focusing on that fuel economy factor, because as we will talk about later on, um, almost all the gas options, not all the gas options, but you can almost always get a gas option in a non heavy duty truck that will tow more. Like the five seven Hemi from Dodge tows more than their Eco Diesel. The um, the 6.2 option from Chevy tows more than their diesel, we assume. We assume, yeah. Um, the the Titan's a different story. The Ford 3.5 EcoBoost twin-turbo V6 tows more than the, uh, the, the mini Power Stroke, the mini Stroker. Um, so, yeah. So it's not as much towing. It's more the fuel economy. You pick up a lot of fuel economy with these little trucks when you switch to the diesel. You say a lot, but... It- if we look across the board, so um, we'll go with the Chevy Colorado, for example. The diesel, so the four-cylinder, uh, I can't remember. What do they call their diesel engines? Duramax. Duramax, yeah. I was going to say Duratec. That, that's the, not right. No, dirty, dirty Maxes. <laughs> the Duramax uh, Chevy Colorado diesel gets EPA rates at 19 city, 28 highway. That that truck so that'd be crew cab short box four-wheel drive it with the three six v6 um gets 1724 so you say a lot we 
That's and that's a pretty decent percentage. Pretty decent percentage. But then look at the price increase. So the increase to step into that that motor is almost four thousand dollars. So you got to be driving a lot to recover those costs. Well, there is some disadvantages to diesels. The first one is your cost of initial purchase and initial initial <laughs> purchase, um, which all, is almost always more expensive as your option. I can't think of any options where the diesels less expensive if you know one feel free to inform me um but also your cost of ownership is higher with a diesel you have more expensive oil changes when you change oil in a diesel you're putting 15 quarts of good oil in there and that's not a cheap endeavor um and with a gas you only got to put five that's a third math's math's hard guys um well the diesel you have much more frequent and much more expensive uh, fuel filter changes. You know, your fuel filter for your gas truck is probably in the neighborhood of 25 to $30 and you got to do it every 50,000 miles. If you're good on maintenance, every time your car doesn't start, AKA every 150,000, if you're not very good at maintenance and with a diesel, if you want to keep your fuel injectors and everything else happy and alive, you're looking every 10 to 15, 15, 10 to 15, maybe 20,000 miles. And that's probably your fuel filters probably cost you a hundred bucks. So it's not cheap. No, it's it, there's and then also when it comes to repairs on diesel, diesels theoretically will last longer as an engine. That's not always the case. So, um, but they they feel theoretically will last longer. But when a repair does need to be made, it's going to be more expensive on a diesel engine than it is on a gas engine. So it's just a simple fact of diesels. So, um. Moving back to our trucks and the further discussion, um, yeah, the Colorado, it picks up four miles a gallon on the highway with a diesel. Um, the Silverado uh, theoretically picks up seven? Seven, yeah. But so that, that's compared to the 5.3 V8. That's the 5.3, not the yeah. 6.2. So your towing capacity is... It's, it's pretty pathetic, which I... So I that's the we're talking about the five three without the heavy duty towing package. So before everyone freaks out, we're talking about the five three without the towing package. But it's yes. only seventy seven hundred pounds with the five three without the towing package, which is in twenty nineteen. That's pretty pathetic, that's Chevy. Pathetic. Well, even the the new three liter. Um, I was gonna say Duratec again. <laughs> Duramax. Duramax. Uh, in line six, you know, I found on. Um, the GM Authority website, GM's claiming that's going to be 7,800 pounds that that truck can tow, which is nothing. Well, that's what that's what the Ram 1500 with the Eco Diesel is pretty close to that too. Yes, but so look at the look at the Colorado, 7,600 pounds with the diesel. So the Silverado diesel only tows 200 more pounds than the Colorado diesel. That's now I will say, I would much rather tow. 7,600 pounds behind the Silverado than the Colorado. Yeah, it's because the mass of your towing vehicle and the size of your tires and brakes and everything else makes a huge difference, too, depending on the length of what you're pulling. And the mass for, especially if you're pulling off the bumper or the rear hitch receiver, that mass is going to make a big difference on how much your trailer controls where you go and how much you actually control where you go. Um, so I would much rather tow that weight behind the Silverado. Um, and everyone's max towing capacity 
take you got to take that with a grain of salt because just because it's rated to do it doesn't mean you should. No, <laughs> we back when I was a child, we towed our seventy five hundred pound camper behind our F one fifty that was rated to tow nine thousand pounds to Wyoming and back, and that truck was not a happy camper doing that. Going through the mountains, we could go like. 31 miles an hour and that was all the faster you could it would do go. it you could tow it we could tow it did we have to stop three times on the way down on the mountain to let our brakes cool off yes <laughs> so just because it says you can do it doesn't mean you should so tow safely guys you don't be putting every last ounce behind your truck to say yeah i towed fifteen thousand pounds of my half ton truck look at me my dad once towed a school bus with his ranger you don't I, believe me, do you? I believe you, because my dad likes to brag about the time he pulled a semi truck out of the ditch with his Bronco. <laughs> but well, uh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it either. <laughs> huh. I'm getting yelled at for that. <laughs> I totally did it. So um, the F-150, they are claiming a pickup of four miles a gallon on the highway as compared to the two seven nano v6 which is a twin turbo v6 so that goes from 26 highway to 30 highway that's really good that 30 miles a gallon on the highway is exceptional out of a half ton truck if um, you could get that in real world ford's yeah. EcoBoost motors are kind of eco suck and what everything i've heard it's because you just want to stay in the boost so much because they're so much fun <laughs> Yes, which we could talk all about that, why I personally don't think turbocharging all of our engines is a is the resolution to f- our fuel economy issues, but that's for another night. Turbochargers the answer to everything. Mm, disagree. <laughs> so the, the Ram is claiming a six-mile-gallon increase on the highway from 21 to 27, which um, I've had quite a bit of experience with the Ram 1500 with the Eco Diesel, and I will say those numbers are pretty close. Um, so I've put about a, I put a lot of miles behind the wheel of one, and I put a lot of miles in the passenger seat of one, and it always gets pretty close to that 27 down the highway. Now after we put big mud tires on it, it no longer got those fuel economy numbers, but but empty running around it, we got like I think we got like 26 and a half. Running a 15, That's really 55 good. mile an hour road up through the mountains. So, um, and we weren't driving slow. So, the 55 mile an hour with the speed limit, not the rate we were going. Um, we were following my Uncle Jimmy, who's kind of aggressive. Um, and then the Titan is really, is with the diesel, is only claiming 14 miles a gallon city, 18 highway, um, which is really pathetic. Um, yeah, that's pathetic and that's not impressive at all and then um we can't we couldn't find actual epa numbers for the um the gasoline engine because it's not a epa registered vehicle the heavy duty trucks are they do not fall under epa jurisdiction because they fall under i think uh they've i I don't know the class, but they fall under um, like commercial vehicles. Correct. There's they're not required to meet the same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, emissions and fuel economy ratings, and then so for the gas engine, um, we just pulled this from Car and Drivers real world testing. They got an estimated of 18 on the highway with the gas engine. That's all they said. So that's what the data we have. So 
If you have better data, feel free to share it in the comment section. But um, so that's what your fuel economy. You're picking up all of them. You pick up pretty much fuel mileage with the diesel engine. So um, now you do not always pick up horsepower with the diesel engine, or well, you pick up torque usually. But so diesel engines always make more torque than horsepower due to their low RPM range and horsepower is calculated off of RPM. So RPM affects horsepower a lot more. So that in, uh, it, it is interesting just looking at all the numbers, um, the torque ratings for all these engines, um, you know, they do come on quite a bit. Well, more torque at far less engine revel or engine rotation. Um, speed and it, I mean if you are towing on a regular basis it does make I see yeah. why on paper you would um, you would buy a diesel engine I'm you know just looking at the the GM midsize twins you know they make 369 foot pounds of torque at 2000 rpm compared to the V6 does 275 at 4000 so that's yeah. really impressive when you're towing with a gas engine you're always just spooling the crap out yeah. of it and that's that hurts your fuel economy the most. Um, you might, it just, when you're running those kind of RPMs towing, you're just tanking your fuel economy down the drain. Which, I mean, fuel economy isn't everything, but it is a significant cost. Yeah, so, if you're doing a lot of over-the-road hauling, it, it adds hauling up your, quick. Yeah, calling your camper around or yeah. snowmobiles, dirt bikes, whatever. Um, it adds up quick. Um, so... No, the, the, the diesels are always going to make their power and torque at lower RPMs, but they all have lower red lines also compared to the gassers. But, like, you know, the Silverado, the it, it, the 5.3 makes 383 pound-feet of torque at 4,100 RPM, where if you go up... Oh, sorry, it's up on my spreadsheet, sorry. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, sil- the 3-liter diesel in the Silverado makes 450 pound feet at 1200 rpm yeah that's so crazy it might not like be, it idle <laughs> it might be rated tow slightly less but it's going to get that load moving much easier yeah, much easier so and partly your tow rating goes down because your gross vehicle weight of your vehicle goes up because the diesel engines way more and your vehicle is only going to be rated to stop so much so they can only bring the tow rating up yeah, so much so amount. So, you know, it's losing a couple hundred pounds there when you add that diesel motor in because it weighs that much more. So, but the diesel is going to be able to get that weight moving more. Um, should we talk about transmission speeds a little bit? Because we got some significant variance in these engines. Transmission, the amount of speeds in your transmissions. Sure. So, um, the Colorado uses a six-speed automatic. The Silverado and the F-150 both use the same or similar. It, they are co-designed together. Yeah, they're both designed by Ford and GM, GM together. I would imagine, though, that there's probably some software tweaking between the two. I think there shift. might even be some component tweaking because they're both manufactured at their own, own facilities, to my okay. best understanding. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, but I believe they both manufacture their own transmissions. Okay. So they both run the similar same 10-speed automatic. The Ram 1500 uses an 8-speed. The ZF. And um, the Titan uses the six-speed. Now I'm going to talk to the Ram first because that's the one I have I've actually driven. Um, the Ram eight-speed um, uh, it was actually a really nice transmission. It's got the weird dongle thing where you turn oh, the, the 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 knob where you turn your volume the knob to drive. Knob. 
So you got to turn your volume to drive. And I kind of like that. I really, to get used to it at first, it was weird, but I really didn't mind it afterwards. Yeah. Um, Did it? Does it like click? Can you? Because you know, with a a shift lever, you can feel it going to the gears. With the knob, does it? Does, it doesn't free spin, does it? Or does it have like hard it's, set points? It's got like, uh, kind of like um, I don't know, what you call it, like the stops, kind of like um, like check balls. Okay. So, click. Like it feels like it's got little, little spaces. It, okay. In it. So. Um. So, I mean, it's and then it stops at drive. It doesn't spin continuously. Okay. It's only got like a 120 degree radius of rotation. Um, but that transmission, I was actually impressed with. I have experience with it. Um, going down the highway, um, fully loaded with stuff in the back, not towing, but and empty, and it didn't care on either one of those. And then we also did some mild off-roading with it we took it out to um drummond island if you know what that is and we were running around on some of the two tracks and stuff there and we did a little bit of mild off-roading and some little rock ledges and stuff and just put it in drive and it always seemed to know what to do it didn't have any issues it just went so it wasn't feel like it excuse me it didn't feel like it was constantly shifting or anything either it felt like it knew where it had to go and it went there. It didn't. So sometimes you get these higher speed transmissions, they always feel like they're hunting. Yeah. For gears, but um, it didn't. Re- I was pretty impressed with it. So ZF Chrysler did a good job on that one. Um, I don't know if you have any comments on transmission I, speeds. I haven't driven any of these vehicles, so I can't. Per- you know, personally, I think six six gears is enough. Anything over that's just overkill. I mean, everything I've read about the front wheel drive ZF nine speed is they're not good things to say about it i mean in all applications from chrysler to honda they just they seem to hunt and you want to downshift they're reluctant to and they don't know what gear and i think if you have the properly sized engine um you don't need so many gear speeds in your transmission but that's my personal opinion so i think the diesel torque helps manage some of those speeds also so it doesn't need to downshift constantly to get going where it needs to go um i have heard lots of good things about that 10 speed automatic though really i've heard a lot of people like that one i mean they're putting it in the camaro for goodness sakes Hmm. so i've heard lots of good things about the 10 speed i personally have not driven one so i can't comment on that myself but i have heard good things about it so but we'll We'll see if you guys like if you have an opinion on it. What you let us know what you think about it. If you've driven one or have one or had issues with one or whatever, let us know. We're curious. Yeah, to hear. let us know. We're always I up just, to learn I more just about find cars. It funny that in like ten years we went from four and five speed transmissions to now six, eight, ten. So ten years from now we can see twenty speed transmissions. That's called the CVT. <laughs> okay, CVTs for everyone. I like CVTs and snowmobiles, and I've driven one of my aunt's CRV, and I really actually thought that was kind of fun. I mean, it's really weird how it doesn't shift, but it, they're, the the theory behind the CVT is great. It keeps your engine in the constant power band where it makes peak power. Yeah. But you have a belt to replace every 60,000 miles. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my manual transmission that I don't ever have to touch, ever. Yeah, I really prefer manuals also, but in a diesel truck, um, that's something I can actually talk about quick. Um, diesel trucks, I prefer an automatic. I can see that if you're towing. I, I've, 
I've done a fair amount of towing, and towing with the manual can be frustrating. It feels like you're riding the clutch. I mean, you are well, sometimes. So that's really not the only issue I have towing with a manual, because I've towed quite a bit with a manual, um, is backing up. Trying to reverse with a manual, you feel like you're always on and off the clutch. Yeah. Which my solution to that is just to put it in four low and back up in four low, because it just lets you go as slow as you want. But um, what I was getting to with the automatic and a diesel is um, an, a, a manual transmission, every time you go to shift, you lose all your boost, and you have to wait for it to come back. Where the diesel or the automatic, you don't lose that load on the motor or your RPM on the motor, so you always hold your boost at the same level. So a diesel with an automatic is going to smoke the pants in a straight line off of diesel with a manual because they're always waiting for their boost to come back where the automatic once you've made that boost you have it all the time hmm. so if you it's just you you it feels faster and more powerful because every time you shift you're not losing all 20 pounds of boost goes out the window that takes a while to come back yeah so but that's what I got on diesel automatics. We should probably talk about, I mean, we touched a little bit on it, but if if you're thinking about a diesel engine in one of these, I'm going to call them lighter duty trucks, um, you know, the cost of it, it's, they're not cheap. I, you know, four to 4,000, well, 38, $3,980 is the cheapest. And that's for the GM mid-sized twins. We don't know what the price is going to be on the, uh silverado so we can't comment silverado, on that. we cannot comment on that the f-150 is four thousand um the ram 1500 we do not have a price for 2019 um but in previous years it was just under five thousand and then the titan is a fifty two hundred dollar upgrade so it is a considerable amount of money that you're spending to upgrade these engines so you know if you're not doing a lot of towing on a regular basis or, or you're not going to be doing strictly highway where you're going to get your gas mileage because you don't get the gas mileage really around town no so you got to be going down the highway at 75 miles an hour and cruising so i mean it's it's kind of a toss-up you just got to drive both and see what you like personally i feel like yeah and i guess if you can afford the diesel and you like the diesel then go for it yep so and you know historically another thing we can talk about is uh you know the average price of diesel fuel um, compared to gas. Um, diesel fuel tends to stay more flat line, where gas can be more volatile. But diesel's flat line at higher rates. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more expensive. Well, it used to be, um, I remember when it was always cheaper than gasoline, but... Old man. Yeah, I, I am old, I guess. Uh, but in recent years, you know, gas prices, they can fluctuate so much where diesel kind of holds itself steady, so... But yeah, so we're gonna move on to the some new news that we've recently came out with on the topic of trucks. On the topic of trucks. Now this is moving into the heavy duty segment. Yes. So we are out of the light duty for time being. It might shift down to light duty. We don't know that. But it is the new Ford 7.3 liter Godzilla V8. I just love that name, Godzilla. And this thing is a beast. And Paul, so I guess Paul has a little bit of, well, Paul likes truck motors. 
So he he was he was pretty excited when this this motor came out. So yeah, this motor it's pretty cool. Um, now, we don't know a lot of things about it. We don't know a ton. Um, it is we do know that it is a cast iron block, push rod, port fuel injected, variable valve timing, uh, forged steel crankshaft, and it has oil squirters under the pistons. Um, we and based on the push rod fact, we know that it is a um, in block camshaft single cam. Um, so it's not this Ford standard dual overhead cam. And this is just a, I don't mean to make it sound unsophisticated, but it's just a big gnarly truck motor. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it's like they're going old school with this, so, but that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what it's, it's going. This will be a significantly better motor. I'm guessing than the six, two gasser for the heavy duty trucks, the six, two gasser. I've driven a couple trucks with the 6.2 the a brand, a brand new 2018 um base model i've driven and then a slightly older um uh like the one of the first or second generation uh years that the 6.2 was out f250 also and um it just felt slightly underpowered in that truck like you put your foot to the floor and it made a whole bunch of noise and it didn't go anywhere so uh the 7.3 they have not released horsepower or torque numbers but I can guarantee you they're going to be more than the 385 horsepower and 435 pounds of torque out of the 6.2. 6.2, yeah. And since it's the push rod, big nasty V8, I'm thinking this is a 300,000 mile plus motor. It's going to be a long-term, robust, good truck motor. Yeah. So I'm uh, excited to see how they sell. I'm hoping they sell it as a crate motor for us to swap it into old things. Cause I think this, Put that in your fuego. <laughs> I think this could be a, a serious LS killer. Yeah. So it, I've seen pictures and other things about them and they really look like they're just itching for some boost. Time will tell. Isaac doesn't like boost, but boost is I, the answer. Boost is fun. It's just, it, if you're driving an economy car and you're always in the boost, it's no longer an economy car. I guess. But staying with our truck theme, let's talk about tailgates. Yeah, tailgates. Which this is kind of an, a new a new area. It, you know, the truck wars have seemed to be getting hotter and hotter in, re- in recent years and more recently in the past year. And um, you know, everyone's been going. You know how how fuel efficient can we get our trucks, and how much can we tow with them? And now we're seeing this new trend of tailgates, and um, really, uh, Honda kind of started it with the Ridgeline. See, I, I was going to differ with that. I was going to say Ford started it with the Man Step. Well, did the first generation Ridgeline have? I I don't think it had the dual action tailgate. I don't think it did, I but think. I could be wrong. It did. I think it had the trunk in the back. It did have the trunk in the back. I think the the Ford Man Step. I think that came out in the 2008 model F250s, um, and the Ford Man Step, or they call it the the tailgate integrated tailgate step, or whatever. Um, it is. You open the tailgate, and then you pull the the top of it. It slides out and down, and then you flip up another lever, and it comes up, and you have a big step on the back of your tailgate to hop up in the back of your truck with and it slides right back in and closes up and you go away what is that noise <laughs> you have to move uh recording locations isaac's neighbor's yeah. making more weird noises yeah. again 
Uh, the first generation Ridgeline did have the dual action tailgate. What year did the Ridgeline come out? The first generation Ridgeline came out in I don't uh 2006. Okay, so two years of forefront. Now Isaac really considers a Ridgeline a truck, just like the Canyon. What do you? The Canyon is not a truck. I'm saying you bring it up to the level of a Canyon. Oh. Well, you have to look at the definition. What is the definition of a truck? I think my definition is slightly different than the dictionary's well, definition. Well, well, what is your definition, Paul? I, I don't think the, the the I don't think the Ridgeline can be considered a full on mid sized truck. Why not? So, I I'm gonna say it's because it's a unibody, and someone's gonna bring up the fact that in the '60s Ford made an F100 with they a did. unibody. They did. Yep. And then I'm going to bring up the fact it doesn't have a solid rear axle, which it's so, and it's really just a CRV with some really. It's a Honda Pilot. Whatever. <laughs> they're the same pile of junk, which they're great for, I don't know, 65 year old dudes that want to go How, play golf with their golf my, clubs in the back minus, and not get golf in their, not get grass in their trunk. Minus you, which, fun fact, one of my bosses in college had an F 150 that lariat that he carpeted the bed of his truck and used it as as the trunk of a you know someone who uses his car which brings up my exact point as a majority of people who own trucks and i it'd be interesting to get a statistic behind don't actually use them as a truck they don't take them off road they don't ever tow anything more than maybe a utility trailer they're not beating them to crap they just want something that they can you know, go to Lowe's and throw mulch in the back. Or if you fill the back of a Ridgeline with mulch, it's going to be on the bump stops, exploding the rear tires. It's mulch. Mulch gets heavy in okay. a hurry. They they just want utility. They want to be able to haul a sheet of plywood. Or so My buddy Jake used to work at Lowe's in the lawn and garden department. And he has so many stories of people pulling up in their Ridgelines and saying, can you throw that skin of bricks in the back of my ridgeline? And it literally goes to the rim. I so I worked with in a, when I worked with Isaac, um, in the the light manufacturing company. Um, we had a, I had to send my mold tool out for work, and the guy we called the guy the mold shop, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll send a guy over with a truck right away." And usually when we call, the mold shop we usually go to, when they send, they send someone over the truck, they send an F550 flatbed. And that's not a problem to put my 3,000-pound mold in the back of. Well, this mold shop sent their guy with a truck, in quotations marks, a ridgeline, to put my 3,000-pound mold in the back. And no, I, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> it was a silver Honda ridgeline. Showed up. It was the not the newest generation, but the one like one or two generations back. And They've I, only made two generations. I don't know. The one, not the brand new one. And I went and put my mold in the back of that thing, and I was pretty sure it was going to go through the bed floor. And he's like, oh, no, it's going to be good. And he, he said he drove it 32 miles to the other side of Grand Rapids. But that was not a truck. Uh, my definition of a truck is something with a open back end and its main function is for utility. And with that definition, it can be four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, unibody or um, body on frame. 
that is my definition of a truck. Look all over the world. They sell unibody trucks, and they've been selling them in Australia for No truck years. is front-wheel drive based. Some of, some of the ones they sell in Central America, and I'm pretty sure in, well, I can't, no, not in Australia. Australia, they've always been rear-wheel drive based. But You're trying to talk about a ute. Yeah, a ute. That's a truck. A ute is a truck, but those have a big nasty V8 in the front of them. Not all of them. Most of them have a big nasty V8 in the front. We we need to do more homework and disprove this theory, but I think the Ridgeline is a anyway, truck. Moving it, on from the Ridgeline and how it's not a truck, <laughs> let's continue talking about tailgates. So Honda started this off back in 2006 with uh, a, t- a dual-functioning tailgate where you could flip it down like a conventional tailgate or um, move it off to the side like a hinge door. Um interesting idea and if you think about trucks you know a lot of times when you flip the tailgate down and it it make the tailgate does make it harder to reach into the bed so you know what honda did with their tailgate was very ingenious um it gives you a lot more utility um it's a little bit more bulky when you open it up when you hinge open it um because then you've got this five foot or six foot wide door that piece that you have to worry about but it was very ingenious um, and then Ford came out next with their integrated tail step, which a lot of people made fun of when they came out. But all the Chevy fanboys made fun of the man step, calling it the old lady step. But now GM has their own, and no Chevy fanboys are making fun of it anymore. Yeah, and, just like aluminum trucks. And also the fact that trucks seem to be getting taller and taller, so the ability to just step They're gonna up. They're going to rip out their saggy lowrider pants climbing yeah, the back of their the truck. Yeah, the ability to just step up in a bed now is pretty much gone. Um, so they need the step and was pretty ingenious and how they've, how Ford is integrated into their tailgate has been, is very clever and it seems that has hold up very well over time. So I will say the gen two version, I've had the most experience with the gen one, which has the handle integrated into the top of the tailgate. And then you pull a lever and it flips up vertical out of the top of the tailgate or out of the, the, like the bed face of the tailgate. The Gen 2 has it integrated into where the the step slides out, and I think that's a much better design because when I'm trying to like slide stuff over the tailgate with it's, the Gen 1, it, it, get gets, it gets hooked and caught. Yeah. And it's also very uncomfortable to sit on. <laughs> Which you do sit on tailgates quite a bit. Uh-huh. Someone's going, oh, yeah, he sits on the back of his tailgate of his Ford waiting for the wrecker to come. But no, when you're out tailgating, you got to sit on the tailgate. Yeah. So, and now GM has their new multi-pro tailgate. Which we got to see at the Detroit Auto Show a few weeks ago. And I got to play with it at the Grand Rapids Auto Show. And we I both to... came away unimpressed. So, the first thing that would be the easiest to fix for GM, and it's the dumbest thing to be, screw up, is the, the handle yet again. So the handle flips out at about a 45 degree angle out of the side of the bed for you to grab onto to climb up in. And this handle, if it's the angle it comes out on, if you close the tailgate before you remember to close the handle, you you have to reopen the tailgate to close the handle because it hits the top of the tailgate. And then if you've seen this tailgate, it breaks in the middle and so you think, oh, I'll just break the middle part open and close it that way. Oh, nope, you can't either because the angle's just too s- severe where it hits in the middle too. So you have to open the tailgate all the way up. 
The other thing about this tailgate that I really don't mind the hinge function, I think that's kind of cool, is it only opens with the push of a small rubber button. And if you live anywhere with salt and freezing, that button's going to break, and you're yeah. not going to be able to open your tailgate. Well, I mean, it is pliable plastic, but it it's not going to hold up over time. No, or that little solenoid in there goes out. Oh, don't, you're not going to yeah. open your tailgate anymore. That sucks. Yeah, so I, I think that was really was a misstep for GM. Um, I'm curious to see what their customers say about it, but my guess is we might see conventional handle return. I mean... There's some things you just don't want to screw up, and screwing up the handle of the tailgate, like, really? It's yeah, it's that's like literally. I'm buying a truck for the bed and the tailgate, and you screwed one of them. Yeah, up. I can't even get the tailgate open now. So, and then I, there's the new Ram multifunction well, tailgate. I just want to say I did not like when we used the Multi Pro tailgate. Um, I did. I thought it was complete. It was too heavy. It was just bulky. It, when the top part flipped down and the whole tailgate was down, to get it all the way up was just really clumsy and heavy. And you like you couldn't you know grab something out of the tailgate and you had all your hands full. There's no way you're getting that thing. Yeah, closed. and it seemed like the tailgate itself looked really intricate. Um, there's a lot of linkages to it, and my just my just fear is over time. You know, you're gonna get water in there, dirt, gravel, crap, and corrosion, corrosion, and it's just not going to function. We're going to soon see a bunch of GM pickups running around with their multi-pro tailgates down. <laughs> or a tailgate off of a 2005 pickup strapped yeah, on. put on. So bringing up now the final new entry into the tailgate market is the Ram multifunction tailgate, which was a 60-40 split. Yeah, it looks interesting. I mean, it's very similar to the Honda Ridgeline. Um, but it has the dual functionality of a second door, and I like it. Like if you're hauling lumber, you just have the little door open. You can slide your lumber in. It's kind of cool. Now will it hold that door open? I think so. I think they hold open to the side. It would so, be dumb if they didn't. So uh, the only thing, see, I I haven't been sold on all these weird opening tailgates yet. The only real advantage in my mind to them. Because if you're loading stuff in and out with a high-low, which then it makes... How many people do that? Which That's what I'm saying. I'm getting to. Okay. Is that it... How many people load crap in their tailgate with a high-low? And they're in their tail... In their bed. So, like, I, I just don't see a purpose that much into it. I've never had an issue quick flipping down the tailgate and grabbing something out. Like, I've never... Oh, I wish this tailgate opened sideways unless I'm loading something in with a high-low... And I can't get all the way in to where I need to grab it. I guess, you know, the ridge line has the in-bed trunk. And so the tailgate opening up to the side helps that makes sense for getting that. into the trunk. Because you won't be able to reach the bottom of that trunk with yeah. the tailgate regularly. Um, but for the Ram, you know, as trucks move more and more to becoming just all-around cars, um, it's kind of nice just being able to open up like the little door to just throw something quick in and but shut I it. But I think you have to open the big door to open the little door. Huh. I, I I could be wrong, Maybe. but the handle is only on the big door. Well, I'm going to be at the Chicago Auto Show next week, so... You find out I and let find me out know. And I will you come go back fondle with, that tailgate. I will come back with the report on the new Ram tailgate. Yes, Isaac is going without me because he has this thing called a girlfriend. 
Moving on. All right, let's go. Do you want to do Craigslist first or Cool Tools? Let's do Cool Tools. We'll talk about that. So this week's Cool Tool is... Brought to you by Paul once again. Yes, I am a tool fanatic, so... I can talk about my my Sawzall. Well, we could next week. Next week. So uh, this week's Cool Tool is the Big Larry. The Big Larry. The Big Larry is a large not large but it's a it is a flashlight that has it's got a wide like panel it's not like a regular flashlight it's more of a panel flash light to it it's not directed and it's got a magnet on the bottom it holds it uses three double a's and it has three modes all the way on it's bright it's blinding me at the moment i'm blinding isaac with it right now um all the way on half on which is still pretty bright yeah and then flashing red which Does anyone ever use that feature on flashlights i haven't personally and i'm kind of a flashlight fanatic i carry a streamlight in my pocket every single day but um so yeah it's made by nebo nebo n-e-b-o we'll post a link to it in the description but um this i got it for my dad for christmas actually I don't think he's used it yet, but I've used it quite a bit. Um, my dad has one. He really likes it. It's We've got a couple at work. Super awesome, and it's super durable. Um, yeah, you can drop them, beat them. They stick to anything. Well, I mean, anything that's anything metal. metal. I just accidentally stuck it to my microphone, if you heard that. <laughs> um, and uh, it's got the main on one end, so like I'll... It's really nice. You stick it to an open hood and you let it shine. You can see all over the place. Yeah, they work well. And then how I know it's really durable is I slammed it closed in a hood and it didn't break. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Well, yeah, they're good flashlights. I I know a couple people that have them. They love them and they've actually bought in. Um, I think it's a little Larry. That might be so, the smaller one. So yeah, that then they just released Gen Two Big Larry, which I have the Gen One Big Larry, which has. The button on the if you look if you look hold it like a regular flashlight the button will be where the flashlight would normally come out on the very top on the very top, but Gen Two has the button where a normal flashlight button would be, and then it has an additional flashlight out the top. Oh, interesting. So I have not played with that one yet. So I had the OG Big Larry, and this thing is the bomb. I would buy six of these if I wasn't poor. So how much does that cost? Do you remember? I think I, I I bought it at the local power sports store, so that probably isn't the cheapest place to buy it. But I think I paid like twenty four dollars or something. That's not horrible for a good flashlight. No, it's not. I think I paid right on the same price for my Streamlight Pro pen light too. So okay, um, which we might talk about at a later date also because I love that thing. But um, so that's the cool tool for this week. Um, Craigslist showdown. Craigslist showdown. So Paul and I were. <laughs> doing so we're doing something different doing something fun um we're gonna do this at the end of our shows and the we do have one more segment after this so it's not the complete end not the complete end but towards the end and the criteria is has to be from our local craigslist and we'll do say like 50 mile radius of where we live so, so this is the grand rapids craigslist. grand rapids craigslist has to be unique and different which by definition that means it cannot it has to be something just just kind of different. It can't be a beige Toyota Camry or a Super Crew F-150. Or Paul says it can't be anything that's GM and plastic bodied. But just something different, you know, something you don't normally see. And he and I, we're not going to show each other what we find. We haven't really set a price limit. 
Um, just something you just stumble upon on Craigslist in the week. You're just like, so, this is just different. Are you going to post your link in here now so I can actually look at it? I am going to post my link. I got to I gotta go get my link. So, Paul, what would you pick? So this week, for my Craigslist find, I picked <laughs> a 1984 Land Rover Defender 110 that. pickup. This thing looks like it's straight out of a 90s Baja race. I'll post the link in the description, so if it's still available, you can go look at it and buy it if you want to. It's listed in Jenison, Michigan. For I've which, seen that for sale, actually. Which is a local suburb of Grand Rapids. Um, it's listed at $28,000. This thing is cool. It is a four-cylinder diesel with a manual transmission, and it was imported this summer from somewhere that drives on the right-hand side of the vehicle. There's not much detail to this. Um, it's got some pretty big muddy meats on it, and it's a single cab, but it looks straight out of a Baja or Dakar rally or something. It's got big Baja lights over the top of it. It's got Baja lights in the grill, a big front bumper, and it's got a really cool 80s graphics kit on it. This it thing does. is... It's I'll, pretty sweet. I'll, I'll screenshot a picture of it and put it in there, too, in case the it's link goes like away. It's got, like, diamond plate lower body cladding. That's pretty cool. It's And got stacks for mufflers on the back. I totally <laughs> dig this thing, man. That thing is... I, I If I had $28,000, <laughs> I might buy it. But that thing, it's just cool. So... That is my Craigslist find of the week. week. What Isaac, post your link so I can look at it's it. In, it's on the page. Look at it. Let me refresh my page. It's, you shouldn't have to refresh. So mine is a 1988 Volvo 780 Baritone. Oh, you brought that back? For $1,800. No. So Isaac, fun- where is it? It's not on the page. Yeah, it is. Where? It's at the very bottom. You got to scroll down. Third sheet. Oh, you didn't post underneath your name. Oh, sorry. Just moved my name. Anyways, um, fun fact. There's actually two of these Volvo Baritones on our local Craigslist at the moment. Um, but they're not from the same guy, which is like really odd. Um, but it, this car, is, it's maroon in color. Um, it's got sweet gr- light gray and dark gray two-tone seat seating. Um, it's got this... It's just it just looks the headlights have these horizontal lines on them. They kind of look like those sunglasses from the 1980s. It's just it says uh has a bit over 180,000 miles, 2.8 liter V6. Car is pretty solid and rare find. Um it says everything works. 1800 bucks. So it it's interesting. So, so, I I just kind of like it. So I finally just got to the page cuz I'm illiterate yeah i'll go with illiterate it's got a salvage title though it has a salvage oh it does have a salvage that's, title that's depressing but i i i am a big volvo fan especially old volvos um i really want a 240 gt wagon so if anyone has one out there though they want to give me because <laughs> i'm poor um but it's got that 28 v6 that thing's kind of i kind of dig the, it the 28 v6 that's the that's the peugeot uh, Volvo motor that they put in the DeLoreans and that was a garbage motor. That's depressing. Yeah, but it's cool, right? I I I accept this as a unique find. The other one's like gold colored. I like this color better. I yeah. Think. So, are we doing a winner or what are we doing? 
Yeah, winner. So how are we going to score this? I don't know. We should have thought about that you know, before. We, we didn't now. put a lot of thought into this. Maybe we'll next gonna, week we'll maybe do next better. Week. Maybe we could do a poll. We should do a poll. Poll. I will screenshot the picture of both of them and put them in the description. And you people vote. Figure out how they're going to vote. We'll figure that out, too, and post that in the description. We're still working out the bugs. So maybe you have an idea on how you should vote. Yeah. They could, since we're now live on all podcast forms of downloading. That's Pretty much, weird. yeah. They can leave a post, you know, rate us, give us a review, and in your review, maybe, like, no, that's going to Or be post it on Instagram and tag or us. Or post it, Yes. That's how we're going to do it. Vote on Instagram. Vote on Instagram. <laughs> so follow us and then vote. Shifting Gears Podcast. So here's what how I got. Here's how we're going to do the vote. I'm going to post a picture of each of these cars on our Instagram tonight. Which one gets more likes? And whatever one gets more likes by the next episode wins. There you go. Like it. So like mine because it's better. <laughs> like mine. You don't see Volvo baritones. You Did I mention it's a coupe? How many Volvo coupes are there out there? How many Land Rover Defender race trucks are there? Don't know. What is that noise? I don't know. It's like a kazoo. It sounds like a fiend tool. <laughs> I All hope right. that you guys can't hear that. I'm sorry if you can hear that. It's terrible. When, so, yeah. so our last segment for the night is awesome automotive accessories, question mark. So our one for tonight is the... Uh, Night Eyes Steely Ball, which is a really terrible name, Night Eyes, which is also a terrible name. But so the Steely Ball is a it's basically like a ball bearing on a, uh, a mount that you stick to your dash of your car. And then you put a little like, I don't know, the female end of a ball bearing yeah. on the back of your phone. It sticks on the back of your phone. And you're supposed to, be able to stick your phone to it and then have it hold your phone on your dash so you can see your GPS or your phone calls or whatever. Um, my cousin Will had one of these, who also had the Ram 1500 that I spent lots of time in. Um, and he absolutely loved it. He used it all the time. You know, the magnet's kind of slick because he could stick it to like whatever he was working on outside too, like inside of his truck or whatever. Which became a problem once he left it there and then we drove around the block and he was freaking out if it was still there. But it was still there. So that part of the magnet worked pretty good. And his phone is significantly lighter than mine. Um, oh, that was loud. That was loud. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just smacking the mic on my phone. Um, and it worked great for him. So I asked for one for Christmas because I'm a poor college kid. I don't buy anything. I buy too much stuff. But anyway, that's why I'm poor. Um... And I got it, and I got it installed in my car, and I put it on the back of my phone, and I first put it, so they suggest to put it just above the center line of the phone, so that way the phone hangs nice on there and doesn't try to flip over or whatever. Um, I put it on the outside of my case, which is a pretty thick case. I, um, I have a Samsung Galaxy S7 Active, so it's a pretty beefy phone with a pretty beefy case on it, so it's kind of heavy. I could throw it and throw it through Isaac's drywall probably. But, um, uh, um, and no matter what I did, I tried cleaning the ball with like alcohol and stuff. And the, it's got like a little rubber thing in it to try to like keep it from moving. 
it would just fall every time. It would either fall off the magnet or like bend down to the place where you couldn't see it anymore. And um, being the engineering nerd I am, I decided to cut a hole in the back of my phone case to stick it to the back of my phone to reduce the moment arm of the phone onto the thing because the phone case is probably an eighth inch thick. Maybe not quite that much, three sixteenths. The hole I cut was right at center, maybe just a little bit below it. And now every time I drive, as I drive around, it rotates and flips the phone upside down. And it still doesn't hold it in place. So the Steely Ball, if you have a really light phone, it might be great. But I feel like there's probably better options for holding your phone. So I would probably not recommend the Steely Ball. If you have had different experiences with it, feel free to share but I feel like the magnet part is just not strong enough to hold the phone in place. So, I mean, Isaac was playing with it today. What do you think? Uh, after five seconds, I decided I didn't like it. We went over a bump and the phone fell off. Underneath my feet, underneath my clutch pedal. Yeah. So, it, it looks cool. Like, in on paper, it's like, yeah, this is really cool. And then real life application, didn't like it. I didn't like it either. So... But it's probably not going to come off my dash because I think it might stick to the dash too hard and break <laughs> to get it off. That's sad. So, and the only thing that really was a bonus about it is I'm like super like fidgety, like to play with things. And the way it sat on the back of my phone, well, this is another thing. It stuck, when I was on my case, it stuck out a little bit on the back of my phone and it wore weird marks in my pants. Yeah. But yeah. um, it was nice because it stuck out a little bit and it was really smooth. So I can sit there and spin my phone on things and turn it into a fidget spinner to, to you know, entertain my 12-year-old self. So, but I think that's what I got for this episode. Yeah, that's what we got for this episode. I, well, that's what I got. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. Other than find us on social media, Shifting Gears Podcast. I sure hope they can't hear that noise. <laughs> There's some weird noises going Maybe on next they, door. Oh, it might be on my roof. It's quite windy out right now. Anyways, anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, things we got to build a sound studio. Yes, uh, Uncle Jim, help us out. Yeah. Um, but find us on Facebook or Instagram, Shifting Gears Podcast, um, both places. Uh, we are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, Google Play, yeah. Google Play, and Stitcher. I don't think we're on Stitcher. I think we're on Stitcher. Don't think we're on Stitcher. <laughs> we'll, anyway, we'll, t- we'll go with Spotify it. or yeah. Google Play or, or iTunes, iTunes. and or, like us or our page. Subscribe and shoot us an email with your questions and leave us a review. And leave us a review. And spread us to your friends and family. If you like us. Which... Or even if you don't. Yeah, even if you don't, spread they us. They might like us. <laughs> they might be weird like us. Yeah, and we, we want your questions and comments. Tonight's episode was birthed out of a question, so we're all open Thanks, Bob for, from Wyoming. Bob from Wyoming. So we're... Wyoming the city, not the state. Wyoming, Michigan. Uh, so shoot us your questions. We'll love to answer them. Um, And with that, I think this is an episode. I think that's all we got. Have a great day and keep shifting the gears. Keep shifting gears. Keep shifting gears.